welcome back to another episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I believe this will be episode number 15. So trucking right along, I've actually released three new episodes in just the last five days. And here I am recording another one, which I'm sure will be available to you in just the next couple days. Also, I have noticed a big uptick in listenership, which I believe is a word. And I just want to thank everyone who's been tuning in. Please make sure that you subscribe so that you are notified when new episodes are available. And also, please, 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 if you enjoy it, share it with your friends. Let people know, hey, go check out the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. I will say that I'm now also on Amazon Music, the Amazon Music app, and Audible. So those are two bigger podcast apps that you can now find me on. So if those are your primary listening podcast apps, and you've been listening to me on a different app because I wasn't there, then now you can find me there. Uh, Also, if you have ideas or podcast channels that you think I need to be on that I'm not, please follow me on Twitter, at JeffGoesTweet. That's at J-E-F-G-O-E-S-T-W-E-E-T, JeffGoesTweet. You can also tweet me ideas for the show or certain topics that you think would be entertaining or funny to listen to or rather interesting to hear me discuss it. So please don't be shy. Go follow me on Twitter and send me your suggestions. But again, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in and and helping to grow the show. And I promise I will continue to put out as much content as humanly possible and keep growing the show. As I mentioned in a a recent episode, I do also plan on having guests on the show very soon. Uh, It's a matter of of hammering down an actual guest and figuring out the time that works to do that. But I do hope that in the next couple weeks, I would think uh, that I am releasing an episode that is with a guest. So all of that show-related bullshugar out of the way, we'll go ahead and get to the topic of this show which I have aptly titled Childhood Pranks and Other Misdemeanors. Yes, that's right, because as a child, we do things. They're not even necessarily pranks. It's just things that entertain ourselves. Well, they're kind of pranks on other people, but it's not necessarily pranks on people that you know, because as a child, you have a very limited pool of people that you actually interact with outside of your family and your schoolmates. Now, what caused this idea for this podcast topic to pop into my head was earlier today I was driving through a neighborhood that is undergoing some new construction. So there were houses on the street that I was on that were just partially built, just framed out, skeletons. And as a child, I loved houses under construction. Loved, loved, loved. It was so cool to be inside the skeleton of the house where you can see through the walls. There's no fixtures. There's no real floor. It's all just wood and just the smell of construction and all of these new materials and the lumber. It's just there was something about it that I freaking loved. Now, homes under construction also afforded me the opportunity to be a little shithead asshole prankster not pranking anyone I know, as I mentioned, but I guess you could call these pranks on the construction crew because, of course, you have a construction crew in there morning to evening through the week. So in the evenings or on the weekends, me and my friends, we would be able to go walk through these houses. It's not like there were locks on the doors or anything like that. I mean, some of them didn't even have doors installed yet. And as much as I enjoyed being in a new house that's being built and the smell of the construction and all that stuff... There was just also something like you're in this house, totally unsupervised. You're a little kid 
Yes, that's how it worked back then. You could have been eight, nine years old, and your parents actually let you just walk around the neighborhood by yourself. That's Yeah, I'm an old man, but that's how it used to work. I'm not saying there weren't plenty of murderers and rapists out there as much as they are today, but people just didn't care about them as much or feel like they were actually a true threat in the sanctum of their personal neighborhood. So yes, we were allowed to run free. And go through these houses. And when you're in the house, you you are kind of protected from the outside world. No one can really see what you're doing. So one of the things I like to do is I would find these caulk bottles. So these tubes of caulk that you would put a caulk gun in. And then you would just continue to squeeze the little handle. And it would slowly push the caulk out for anyone who's ever used a caulk gun. You know what I'm talking about. And just like a tube of toothpaste... It would get to the very end where it's now very difficult to push out this very little bit. And if you're a construction crew that's working quickly, when you get to the end of the bottle and it's becoming difficult, they just drop the cartridge out, pop another tube in, and just start with a new one. It's just easier that way. But what that meant is because they didn't always clean up all their messes on a day-to-day basis because they'd be back the next day or after the weekend, there would be these discarded caulk bottles all around the construction site and inside the home and just laying on the floors and stuff like that. I, along with my friends, uh, but we would find sticks that were strong enough that we could push into the near empty caulk bottle to really get that last bit of caulk out. And you'd be surprised how much caulk you can get out of a bottle that a construction worker considers empty. It's just like I said, with toothpaste, you have those people who just can't be bothered once the toothpaste gets to the point where you really have to do some folding of the tube and some squeezing and all that stuff. They just say, screw it. I know there's five to ten days worth of toothpaste in there, but I'm just going to throw it away and get a new tube. That's wasteful, people. Wasteful. Shame on you. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that everything I did with that caulk was just because I was demanding justice for wastefulness. All right, that's bullshit. I was just being a little kid asshole. So here's some of the things we would do with the extra caulk in the tubes. We would caulk windows shut. We would caulk doors shut. Now, I mean, I'm sure you try and open a door and it's just caulk holding it in place. You're going to still get through the door, but it's now it's just a mess. One of my favorite things to do is they would, in addition to their discarded caulk bottles, they would also have like soda bottles laying around out in the yard where there still was no grass, but just in that area or again inside the house. And back in the day, soda bottles were like glass. These were not plastic bottles. We would use the caulk to mount the bottle in what looked like a way that completely defied gravity on like an exterior window so that when someone would pull up the next day in their construction truck there would just be this sideways mountain dew glass bottle on the front bay window just suspended in space because we had caulked it there yes I know. All the things I'm going to discuss in this episode, I know. I was a little asshole. I mean, I didn't mean to do this stuff with malice. You're you're doing it more for your own amusement and not really thinking about the consequences that these people are going to have to deal with the next day. You don't really understand consequences at certain ages. I'm not saying this to excuse away the poor behavior that I exhibited. I'm just saying I didn't understand consequences quite as well, so it didn't seem quite as harmful to me. Now, I was a little older. This is probably the worst, quote-unquote, pranks that I've ever done, definitely in a construction home. 
at this point, I would have been about 14. So now I, I can't, you know, use the consequences, excuse and defense as much. There was a house that was a couple doors down from mine in my neighborhood that it was just this lot that a construction company had started building and just never finished. The buyers must have fell through or whatever, and then it just went unworked on and just an eyesore in our neighborhood for years. Well, after a couple years, a construction company started to work on it again. And me and my friend, we would go over in the evenings and on the weekends, and we would obviously hang out in there. And I don't think I was really doing the caulk stuff as much at that point. That was more of a, you know, when I was eight, nine, ten years old kind of thing. That's so ten-year-old. I'm not doing caulk. Are you kidding? I'm 14. Jeez. So the workers had left a big box. It was probably probably about the size of, like, two lunch boxes together uh, and just filled with nails, super heavy box. This was bulk. They were doing bulk work. I decided to grab a handful of those nails. And while holding those nails, I dropped trowel. And for those of you who don't know what that means, I took off my pants or lowered them. I squatted over the box and I made a dookie. I then took the nails that I had in my hand and I put them back on top of the dookie so that the next day, I know, I know people, I know. I know. I know. Don't think I don't know. I'm sure that some of the things in my life that have come back to me that I thought were very unfair, it was just karma for the box of nails shit fiasco. Just imagine that poor guy's face the next day. He's halfway through his first cup of coffee, goes in, he's wiping the sleep out of his eyes, maybe a little hungover. Goes to grab some nails. Maybe the first three or four nails he grabbed, everything was perfectly fine. What what went through that guy's head when he realized that someone had shit in the box? Not on the nails, but in the box of nails and covered the shit back up. That is some fucking vicious Vietnamese punji stick bullshit right there. That was some fucked up shit. Yes, I feel bad about it now. But, you know, you get to a point in life where it's been long enough where two things apply. One, a statute of limitations applies to protect me from prosecution. Thank you. Also, when time passes enough, you can find humor in things that are a little messed up. And I'm just trying to be real and be honest with you guys. Obviously, I'm not painting myself in a fantastic picture here. I understand that. But all these memories were triggered earlier when I saw these under construction houses. And no, I didn't want to go inside and make a dookie in a box of nails that I wasn't compelled to do so. It just rushed back memories, which then opened the floodgates to all the other shit that I would do that to me was just funny and harmless pranking. But to the people around me that were the recipients of these pranks, it was probably the thing that ruined their day, if not their week. So in addition to loving construction sites, one thing that I loved, loved, loved as a child was fire. Yes, I loved setting things on fire. I remember at one point when I was living in Cincinnati that I would have been probably maybe 11, 12 years old. There was an area between two developing neighborhoods at the end of our neighborhood where everything was popping up, all this new construction. But there was this wooded area between those two neighborhoods that we could ride our bikes to pretty easily from our house. And the kids in the, the surrounding neighborhoods had, over a couple years, created this 
daredevil bike path through the wooded area where it was a little more clear. So there were all of these, you could clearly see where the path was. They had dug out little holes and then packed that dug up dirt into a big dirt ramp. And then now you would hit the ramp and jump the hole. I had a bad experience on one of those hole jumps where I kind of chickened out at the last second and didn't just go for it. And the front tire of my bike hit the backside of the hole because I did not go very far. And I went flying headfirst, skidding through the dirt. I think I scuffed up my chin a little bit. It was not pleasant. We called that devil's jump. Well, we didn't. That's what the older kids in the area called it. I was just the little kid with the older brother that would ride up there and watch the older kids go around the little track. And I would try and do some of it, but a lot of it scared the shit out of me. But one day I decided I'm going to burn down Devil's Jump. Not because I want, I had a problem with Devil's Jump, not because I had a problem with those woods. I just liked fire, so I'm gathering... I don't know what I was using as far as a lighter or matches, but I just started gathering all of the driest shit that I could find around the ground of the wooded area. And there was this tree with kind of a dugout divot kind of hole, maybe fist size, like a grown man fist size chunk of divot about eye level with me when I was that age. I start stuffing all of this dry shit into this tree. My intention was to light the dry shit in the tree And then, of course, that would just cause the fire to go up the tree. I I wasn't clearly thinking things through. I just wanted to see a big fire. I didn't want to burn the woods down. Luckily, I was never able to really ignite what I thought was dry brush in the little tree divot. Or maybe the tree itself was too damp to actually get lit from this little bit of shit that I was trying to light. I don't remember the details. That was a long time ago. I do know that my brother went home and told on me, and then I got in a lot of trouble, and that that ended my attempt to burn down Devil's Jump and the wooded area at the end of my neighborhood. That is not the only story I have regarding fire. Surprise! So now let's flash forward. I'm... Again, guessing I'm right around that same age, that firebug age, 11, 12 years old. I had a friend named Scott Freilich, F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H, I I believe, was how it was spelled, but it was pronounced Freilich. And Scott lived one neighborhood over. I had to kind of cross this not super main road, but it was not a neighborhood road to just connect directly into his neighborhood. So it was just a bike right away, and we would hang out a lot. Well, I remember one time we were hanging out, and it was probably a summer afternoon where the parents are off at work and the kids are home alone, and we're in his garage, and his father has one of these little, it's I think for welders, where it's like this little tiny aluminum tin cup at the end of these two little metal handles, and you squeeze it, and it scrapes and creates a spark. And again, I think that's what welders use to kind of ignite the tip of their welding machine, whatever that's called. Welder? Hardly know her. So, of course, my curiosity was piqued, and I was wondering if this little handheld mechanical spark machine could actually light something on fire. So we found this old white rag in the garage, and we're holding that over the spark machine, like the tip of it, and it's just not catching. The spark and the dry towel was not enough to actually catch fire. So... I don't know, maybe we should dip the rag in some gasoline. That would maybe help catch fire from the spark. So now I've got a gasoline-soaked rag holding it 
over the spark machine, kind of holding the spark machine upward so that I can kind of dip the tip in. And if you know anything from fire, fire goes up. So my hand is above where the area that's going to be lit. I will tell you from my scientific experiment that dipping the rag in gasoline and then sparking it is successful in igniting the rag. It immediately burst into flames, which the flames immediately went straight up to where I was holding it. So of course I freaked out and I threw it. So now you have this gas soaked burning rag and where the rag landed was right at the base of two nice really wooden skis that were leaning in the corner of the garage, which are now the lacquer and all of the stuff is, is starting to melt. I think we probably put it out before the skis themselves caught fire but I'm pretty sure that the next time that Scott's dad saw those skis, he felt something was amiss. I, I don't remember the fallout from that or if there was any, maybe because it was summer, he hadn't looked at his skis at the moment. But yeah, I uh, set his dad's skis almost on fire. I certain most definitely damaged them. And I'm not done with fire stories. Surprise! So the last fire story that I have for you, I am now living in Columbus and probably hadn't been here that long. So probably about 14 years old. I am at a friend's house who lives in my neighborhood. I decided it would be funny. And let me preface what I'm about to tell you with the fact that this is a shining example as to why I was never destined to be a professional criminal. I was just a fucking asshole and a little idiot and a little shit at times. Overall, I was a very good kid. I constantly honor roll, great grades, extracurricular activities. There were just these little things that I did that were a little shitty to amuse myself. So I go out into my friend's backyard with a these big metal cans of lighter fluid. And in about seven or eight foot tall lettering, I spelled my name in his backyard grass, which I then proceeded to light on fire, which burned quickly as it would with lighter fluid, but not enough to just set the grass on fire. And it went out pretty quickly. But now there is a singed, scorched writing and spelling of my name in his backyard. Obviously not very difficult when the parents got home that day to figure out which of his friends had done the damage to the backyard. So really stupid, Again, why I probably could have never been a professional career criminal because I would have gotten caught very quickly and then just spent a lot of time in the clink. That's what the, uh, the cool kids say, in the clink. I do have one other story that's fire related, but it was not necessarily intended to be a fire. So I'll get to that, but I'll separate it from this chunk. So the last chunk of childhood pranks, because after this, I wouldn't have been a child uh, that I'm going to discuss with you is when I would have been 16 years old. So now I was driving again, getting further and further away from the idea of excusing myself due to a lack of understanding consequence. And again, I tell none of these stories with pride. Yes, I am ashamed of many of the things that I did, but alas, I shall tell you. So I had a buddy, my best friend, Sean, in high school, and his dad was a buyer for a large grocery food chain. I'll just keep it at that. I don't wanna incriminate anyone who was an innocent bystander in this. And as a buyer, he would get all kinds of samples from people. So I remember when we got to try like the Reese's Nutrageous before it really was released in the stores because he was getting samples of stuff that were brand new that 
they need to determine, do we want to put this in our store? So always down in Sean's basement was this several like shelves like that you could put store food or canned goods or just whatever, just shelving. But they would be covered with all of the stuff that he would get as a buyer and he would just kind of, he would use it for his family. Yay! Well, one of the things that Sean had in his basement was this Kool-Aid concentrated powder so that you would just, it wasn't like the Kool-Aid pack, it was like a big plastic, almost Tupperware sized container of Kool-Aid so that you could just scoop it and then you would dilute it with the proper amount of water and you've got your Kool-Aid. I don't, I don't even think you needed to add sugar. All of that was included. It was just add water, but you really only needed one tiny little scoop, maybe like a quarter of a cup, if that, versus an entire pitcher of water to make this drinkable and not taste like chalk. So again, highly concentrated. So we decided to take that Kool-Aid powder and not dilute it quite as much. In fact, very little, just enough to make it liquid, but this stuff was highly concentrated, probably would have stained anything that it touched, and we loaded that concentrated mix into high-powered, high-capacity super soakers. We now proceeded to drive around the Ohio State University campus and downtown area, and there were three or four of us in the car. I was driving my car. Yeah, that's bright. That's brilliant, Jeff. While the other people in the car would take turns sitting in the passenger seat with the super soaker, I remember, again, I'm not proud. I remember at one point we pulled up to a bus stop and there was a lady just sitting there waiting for a bus and whoever was in the passenger seat at the time gave her a big blast right to the chest of this highly con like I said this is stuff that ruined people's day of not their week and then we just pulled away laughing hysterically because it was so funny I do remember while on the OSU campus at one point we were kind of sitting at a light and we were in the right lane and it was a four lane road. So there was another lane of traffic beside us. And it was this white, nicer car. And I believe, I don't, again, remember who was in the passenger seat, nor do I want to incriminate, but they said, Hey, roll your window open. And I rolled my window open and across my face in front of me, they shot the white car, just the exterior. It wouldn't have really been damaging to a car finish, but they shot this car with a super soaker. The light turned green and, you know, we think, <laughs> we're going to take off. That was so funny. This dude was pissed and he chased us through the streets of campus, which are very difficult to navigate. I don't know that we ever actually got away. I think at some point he just finally said, fuck it, and decided to stop chasing us. But that could have ended up bad. So after that little outing, we dropped the other friends off. And then my friend Sean and I were in the car heading back to my house once again in my neighborhood, we had just entered into the neighborhood and there was a car parked on the curb on the street as we were kind of entering the neighborhood on the left. In addition to the super soakers, for some reason, Sean had brought like packs of just basic firecrackers, just the, the poppers, not like bottle rockets or anything like that. And he said, hey, pull, pull over, that car's got its window open. I didn't know if he was gonna shoot the super soaker in or whatnot. Instead, he lit the fireworks and threw them across, again, across my face into that car. They immediately start going off. I freak out, we start to take off and drive deeper into the neighborhood to my house because I certainly don't want anyone identifying my car. It was a teal geo storm that is very easy to find in one neighborhood. I didn't exactly have garage privileges because my parents parked in the garage. So I got the hell out of Dodge. We did circle 
around and creep back up a road to where we would kind of be able to get a look down the road to see. And this dude was outside his car, clearly not happy. And there was uh, a decent amount of smoke coming out of the window of his car. So it is very possible that the fireworks set fire to the interior of his car. I cannot confirm that. However, yes, I know. Total dick move. Jeff, you're an asshole. No, you're wrong. I was an asshole. Get your timeline right. So again, reiterating, not proud, shameful, I was an asshole, I thought this stuff was funny, and the reason I'm calling this childhood pranks and other misdemeanors is because, you know, at that age as a child, to me, these all just felt like silly pranks that really weren't hurting anyone. In hindsight, I know that's probably not totally the case, and I also realize that probably some of the stuff that I did would be considered a crime. So... Lock me up, throw away the key. Oh wait, you can't, statute of limitations. Once again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Please do not try any of the stuff that we discussed at home or anywhere else because that would make you an asshole. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeff. Good night.